I'm Lake Miller. And I'm Hannah Brown. Welcome to Gem City Diversity, a podcast where we talk about diversity and inclusion in the Dayton area. We're from the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, or NCCJ. NCCJ works in the Miami Valley to increase understanding around the topics of diversity and inclusion. This is part two of our two-part series on CODAs, or Kid of a Deaf Adult. In this episode, Lake continues his conversation with Jacob, Gloria, and Isabel about their experiences being CODAs. They discuss family life, dating as a CODA, language for hearing and deaf individuals, interpreting, and a bit more on the perception of deaf people and CODAs. Enjoy! So we're going to start with a few questions that are first, I think, more kind of family-based questions. So the first question, and I know in our first episode with our, our first CODA episode, Jacob had mentioned his significant other. And so I'm curious, in a family with deaf individuals who use ASL, what happens when you first bring a significant other into that family who maybe doesn't sign? Go, Izzy, do you want to answer first? Say, the first time I brought a significant other that didn't sign was like in high school. So mind you, it was high school. But I got the question, is he really deaf? Yes. Yes, he is. He went, prove it. Ah! <laughs> See? No answer. It's fine. Like, he's fine. I get a lot of that. The They do like the awkward. And then, so my dad, Gloria mentioned in the last episode too, so my dad speaks, um, but due to an accident that he had, he had like surgery on his vocal cords, stuff happened. It doesn't sound like, like how you and I would talk. It sounds... I don't know what it sounds like, because to me, it sounds like how you and I talk, to be honest with you. probably muted. It probably sounds muted and a little gravelly. Would you agree, Jacob? Yeah. Uh, I, I concur. He has the most, he has the outside <laughs> experience from like meeting dad. I don't know if Lake has met dad yet, but it, it sounds normal to me, but they have that difficulty in communication because my dad will, will respond speaking because he knows, and they're, they just look at me like, what? And I, I have to then interpret. So a lot of the time it's that sort of thing. But at this point in my life, I am too old to be with someone who is not interested in learning languages I know. <laughs> um, you at least have to be interested and put in the effort. Uh, so um, at this point, at least try. That's all I want to see is some effort. But that's in my experience is what I've had. Yeah, so I would say in my youth, I was a little bit more of a free bird. So I wasn't exactly like bringing people home or anything. But I there was one time I think it was like a prom date or something. And I got this idea from another coda who did this when he was younger. And I was like, I'm gonna do this one day. And I did. And so basically, we went to go pick her up. And my dad is driving and I'm in the backseat with her and my dad's signing and she says, Well, what is he saying? And I was like, uh, it's like, he doesn't like you. <laughs> and then she like looks up and he like waves or something like, Hey, and she's like, what the? F-? <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, that's probably why we didn't work out. Cause you know, she probably didn't appreciate that, but it's funny being an older person and dating. I'm 30 now somehow. And I have found that there is a lot of culture clashes 
Um, so oh, let me let me back up and say when I finally decided I was ready to date someone, I was going to meet someone that I wanted to date someone that already knew sign and was fluent. I didn't care if they were deaf. I didn't care if they were hard of hearing or hearing or whatever, just as long as I didn't have to interpret it while I was at my house or like they can just, I, I, I didn't want to have to worry about them in like media, like being with my parents. You know what I mean? I want to be able to go off and do my own thing and have her have her own relationships with my family. You can't do that a lot of times when you don't have that uh, communication. So I was lucky enough to meet Kiri who was already fluent in ASL and she was just starting out or she had already been working as an interpreter for a little bit. So the communication is great, but there's still the cultural aspect that we kept having clashes on. For example, and we found this out, you know, living for three years together, like loud noises, say just for just, just as arbitrary as loud noises, loud noises don't bother me, you know, dishes, dishes clanging, you know, I'm used to, waking up at eight in the morning by my dad doing dishes and boom, boom, boom. You know I mean? Like it's an earthquake and I'm just like, that's just dad. And I go back to sleep. But if, if that happens, Kiri will have a a much stronger reaction just because in her household, you know, everybody was hearing and I'm not saying this is how every hearing family is, but for them, it's like, Whoa, what is that? Like, is everybody okay? You know what I mean? And so even just doing the dishes sometimes will have cultural clash. You know, there's, you know, a ton of other uh, examples, but um, I'll just give one more talking about when you're just casually dating. I remember walking down on campus at Ohio State uh, with someone and we were just, we were just chatting and, and being side by side. And I remember wanting to go left. A lot of times when you're with a deaf person, you, you know, you, you pat them on the, on the arm or you're like, boom, hey, we're going this way or something. And so as we're walking, we got to go left. She starts to go right. I go bah, this way and I smack her. And she like looks at her arm, looks at me. She was like, what'd you hit me for? And I was like, oh, we have to go that way. And I'm like signing and stuff like, oh, uh, uh, my parents are deaf. And she's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's the pointing sometimes, you know, and it's just, it's things you don't think about. And once you do it and someone calls it out, you're like, oh, this is different from how you were raised, you know, so. I feel like Lake always tell me to quiet down shh you're being too mm. loud and i don't realize it like it's because here the the timbre is just a little <laughs> higher um need to be loud yeah i i and it's not just like i'm just giving like some crap but i think in general like things like that you know jacob you did it in the last episode where you said what does this mean what does this mean and i I gave oh, yeah. you the word, right? So, like, mm-hmm. sometimes when we're talking, we'll be like, oh, that. Or we'll, like, throw in sign language things or expressions in sign language, like, train gone, which means, mm-hmm. like, w- wait, what did you say? Oh, train gone. It means too late. Like, you weren't paying attention. Um, and so we'll incorporate those little idioms, those, like, <laughs> those languages, that language into our day-to-day and it's really interesting to see kind of like when you're with somebody that doesn't necessarily know about american sign language or like deaf culture it's really interesting to see how like like jacob said getting called out for those things like getting called out for being too loud or like you're so expressive you're so gestury or things like that and it's like yeah yeah and it's like yeah but i've been doing it my whole life (laughs) even us as coders i feel like we'll call (laughs) hearing people out on stuff too. So like moving too much, like stop moving. They're going to wake up. Like don't walk so, don't walk so like hard, like walk a little softer. The vibrations um, like, smells too were a big thing. Like 
my dad, he would wake up to like popcorn. If we pop popcorn in the house, he would wake up. Like oh, you have to. Be, so like I don't know about you guys, yours your experience, but I know like Gloria tends to be like really sensitive with her nose, and I don't know if that's because of like my dad, because my dad was really sensitive to smells. Um, but like that's part of art stuff too. I mean, it was definitely like, oh, can, can, can you sneak out? Like, I, a question I always got, like, oh, I bet it's so easy to sneak out. I'm like, it is really hard to sneak out. Really <laughs> like, they're like daredevil. They can just, like, feel when you're moving upstairs. You know what I mean? Where are you going? To the bathroom, you know? Our, one of our really good <laughs> friends, um, who's also a coda, her name is Joanna. And I hope she doesn't mind me telling her story on the air, but she has this. Joanna? <laughs> where she she's from Versailles, so she's up from the northern part of Ohio where it's a little bit more rural her mom lives in a farmhouse and Joanna could never sneak out because her mom was on the first floor and every time she would like the door would creak the floors would creak and Anna would be on it at the door like <laughs> Joanna sneaking in like so it, it is things like that that people think oh it's going to be easy like no they have I wouldn't say because a lot of people are like, well, if you lose one sense, you get in like heightened ability in the other. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think that that's something that we put on people with disabilities to just kind of like make ourselves feel a little bit better. But I do believe that some people can do that. Like my, my father, I mean, it probably has a little bit to do with the engineering kind of mindset, but like things that normally wouldn't be sensitive or like triggering or like, anything to a hearing individual my dad's like like she was saying the smell of popcorn you get up and be like why why did you do that in the middle of the night why would you do that like <laughs> we would pop popcorn at like 1 a.m <laughs> so that's why i don't do it anymore every time i, pop, I like go outside to the garage and i like Trauma. open it in the garage and the puff comes out and i'm like okay good dad's gonna get mad <laughs> get some Febreze some incense or a candle like make it go away make it go away I don't want to <laughs> um, it's funny it is funny I the times that I have brought significant others home I've been lucky enough to have significant others who are already really interested in this and my last relationship he he had asked to learn how to sign to my dad and he was the only person the only significant other that i had had who had made such an effort and what happens when that happens is you just get really emotional because nobody in our parents life really tends to take that initiative nobody it's hard to find people who are genuinely interested so when your friends and your significant others are putting an effort what it does is just create this overwhelming feeling of like appreciation for them. My cousin Emmanuel just got engaged and he called me. He was like, how do I tell your dad? And I was like, well, that's up to you. Like I can call, you can interpret, we can do a FaceTime. He was like, no, I want to tell him. And I gave him my dad's phone number. And a couple of days later I said, Hey, E-Man, like, did you text him? Like, or, or did you figure it out? And he was like, yeah, I sent him a video of me like signing. I proposed to Nicole and all of this. And, I mean, it just, I, I, of course I cried. Of course I did. Of course I did. Because my father is the only, unlike Jacob, my father is the only deaf person in his family, making it a very isolating position. He's one of six. So imagine being one of six and not being able to speak with your siblings or not being able to communicate with them. And every time they see you, they're like, hola, 
como estas? And they like do this exaggerated thing. My dad's what, 60? And nobody in his family ever bothered to learn sign language. Nobody. Now, Emmanuel went to Rochester Institute of Technology in New York, which is a, which has a very high deaf population and has its own like deaf school and deaf community. So Eman learned sign language there some. Um, he, I don't think he's fluent, but the fact that he would go out of his way to, to say something, to, to put in that effort goes a long way. And I think that really that's something that I really want to get at is like, sometimes people are like, well, how do I say this? And how can I communicate with them? And like, it's okay. And it's all great and fine and dandy that you want to say, hi, how are you? But like, I'm telling you, when you put an effort in a deaf person's life and you demonstrate that you are actively aware of their linguistic um, difference and you show the initiative and effort, you will be accepted and gratefully looked upon, even if you are finger spelling every single word. The fact that you can do that and that you are not afraid, um, most deaf people really appreciate that. And as CODAs, we really appreciate it. Because like Izzy said, this is a journey of constant education. So when somebody, even if they're messing up, even if the signs are terrible, even if it's like, hi, my name and then really slow and sometimes we kind of you know we get frustrated right because we're like oh here comes another waitress who took one american sign language class but it's also so beautiful and it's a language that connects you know like like any other language like any other culture when you hear somebody speaking in spanish you're gonna run over there and you're gonna be like oh my god where are you from when deaf people are able to connect with other people in that way you know, deaf, deaf, deaf community is such a small minority. It's, it's unreal how small it is. You could know somebody in Washington state and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I know that person in Florida. We went to school together. Like, it's oh Sorensen. I'll, I'll get people be like, Oh, how's your dad? I'll be like, how do you, how do you know who I am? And how, how do you know my dad? You <laughs> since you were like this big. Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. You'll get I people. I told you. I told you. I'm like, who are you? I, I want to highlight real quick what Gloria said about um, just putting in effort in sign language. I think that really goes for any language. Because um, even in Spanish with my mom, you you try to speak to her in Spanish. Like, you speak to someone in their native tongue. You are showing effort. You are showing you care about that person. You care about where they come from. And mm -hmm. you don't just mm -hmm. expect them to assimilate to you. You are trying to work with them and learn about their culture and it just means a lot to everybody who's a part of that community and culture. So I would encourage everybody to just give it a shot. And if you don't know how to pronounce things, it's not rude to ask. So don't be afraid to ask either. I think when it comes to deaf culture and when it comes to this stuff, don't be afraid. Ask the questions that you are afraid to ask outside of outside of it if you get a chance to sit down with a deaf individual or a coda or somebody who has some kind of niche of knowledge that you can have access to take advantage of that and genuinely like you know try and listen you i think the big thing too is that hearing people just don't understand the deaf world they don't understand how complex it is how emotional it is um and how difficult it can be a lot of people really just that's not their day-to-day -day reality. 
again, putting in those efforts, making those little things, writing back and forth. If you are unsure what to do with a deaf client, write back and forth. I don't know how many times I've gone to a hospital and seen a nurse who's just screaming at a deaf patient because she wants them to hear her, but they're not going to hear you. Don't talk slow. You know, it's, it's almost condescending to do those things or to like lip read and to really enunciate everything makes it worse it makes the situation a lot worse so for those of you who out there who might have questions about what do I do if I see a deaf individual and I want to talk to them I want to approach them I want to ask questions writing back and forth is great we now have phones and technology you can go into your notes app pull up a text message type something out show them on your phone and you can communicate that way communication and language do not have to be spoken. I cannot emphasize that enough. Language does not have to be spoken to be interpreted, to be understood. How would you communicate with somebody who was deaf if you had no resources? You would make do with what you got, which are your gestures, your pointing, do you want this, your face. Um, a lot of people, you all have the tools. Everybody that's listening to this today, everybody here, you all have the tools already to be able to successfully communicate with a deaf individual. Just think it through. Don't freak out. Don't, you know, you have the resources. So what were you going to say, Jacob? You went. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, you mentioned it, gesturing. I mean, honestly, people don't gesture enough. Like if you, <laughs> gesturing, I mean, can get so much across. I mean, I, I, I was I was talking to uh, Kiri earlier. We're wanting to make a trip to Japan, and I'm thinking like, man, I got you know, I want to learn Japanese or something. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna learn Japanese sign language. That way, I can hang out with all the deaf people over there. They can take <laughs> me around, and I can just gesture with everybody. You know what I mean? And I and I I feel much more confident that I'll be able to interact with people maybe who don't speak the same language because I'm very confident that gesturing a lot of times and and your intent we'll get the general message across. And I think people genuinely appreciate that too. Hi, my name is Andy Glasser. I'm an Anytown alum from spring of 2021. Anytown is a free leadership program for high school students from the Miami Valley. I learned a lot at Anytown, including how to be a better ally to people that may not be like me. We talked about diversity, stereotypes, and much more. Registration for the September 17th and 19th Anytown Retreat is now open. Learn more and register at www.nccjgreaterdayton.org slash Anytown. So I want to ask one last question, um, probably a loaded question for having seven minutes remaining, but I want to ask one more question. Um, and that is, if, as an individual who has deaf parents, how do you learn to speak? Oh, how did you learn to speak? Uh, well, uh, I first it was ASL, and then obviously um, TV had a a big part. And then um, when I was about like one and a half, my biological father met my stepdad, who I call dad. He is deaf, and his family is hearing. So I started to pick up English um, after about I was a year and a half, maybe two years old, I think, from that side of the family. And I remember being in elementary school, I think like second, third, fourth grade, I had to take speech therapy classes because I was delayed. Um, and I remember thinking that was just the most badass thing. I was, because the, the speech therapist would come into the classroom, take me out of this lame thing we're, re we're learning about. And I was like, 
peace. I'm going with this person. Like, where are you going? Who knows where I'm going? You know, <laughs> and like, um, but you know, it was just speech therapy, and and, um, and even now, even now, I if you if if like we interact a lot, and you might even hear it on this podcast, I a lot of times struggle with structure. And I will flip words um, sometimes into like the ASL structure or syntax. And that is a, an everyday thing. So I feel comfortable, most comfortable signing. Um, I would prefer to sign over talk, but um, I'm at a point now where I can, uh, I can effectively communicate like my thoughts and like things that I want from people. If I'm like working with a team, like if I'm directing or something like it, I, I, have all the language capabilities now, but um, it does take me like one or two more seconds to think about my sentence and then say it. Uh, yeah, that's for me. I know for me, um, and I have a little bit different of an experience with Gloria because she she was the guinea pig because she's the oldest one. So, you know, no, no, for me, obviously it was ASL first and then Spanish because both of my parents speak Spanish. It was their native language. And I actually didn't pick up any English until I was probably about five in kindergarten. And what I knew was from Gloria when she came home and started speaking in English after she started going to school and TV, just like Jacob, I didn't, I mean, and I had a very similar experience. Jacob was like the speech therapist would come take me out. I was in ESL. So I was able to also get taken out and go do cool stuff with my friend Cheyenne. So that was like, I, I wasn't the only one. It was both of us. We both got to go. We both had a blast. Um, it was just a fun experience. And I don't really remember learning the language per se. Like I didn't struggle. It's very, it's natural. It's a natural thing because it's, it's part, it's part of who I am. It's part of my identity. It's part of my culture. And it's the same way that you learned English, I would say. The only thing I think is like your question kind of goes to the broad, you know, Izzy kind of explained like what our personal experiences are. I think my mom started teaching us things like milk and more when we were babies. So we were very well behaved because we could communicate what we wanted. But I think that what your question is also getting to is like how to, how do, you know, deaf people learn sign language or how do people who are born deaf or people who are born to deaf individuals, how do they learn language? And I think it's, that's why I asked how, how did you learn language? Because, um, you know, when a, when a woman is pregnant and the baby's in the womb, the, the sounds from the outside, like the baby, once the ears are developed and the cochlea and all of that, the baby's getting already external exposure to noise, to language, to sound. Um, they can know, they know their mom's voice, things like that. A deaf baby doesn't have the same, um, especially if they're born deaf or there's some kind of an issue in the womb, they're not going to have the same kind of access. But I think a lot about, I've been following a lot of like deaf parents and I think about like Jacob and how did they learn? And it's essentially the same thing is more, the way you learn English is by hearing and by picking it up. And the way you learn sign language is by seeing. So if all you have are two parents who are constantly signing to you, eventually you are going to understand that this is a language and you're going to pick up the language in the same way that you would pick up English. There is a little bit of a delay, but that is why it is so highly encouraged, especially among deaf advocates for parents who are hearing and have deaf kids 
to start signing immediately, not wait a year because you can't implant a child the cochlear implant until they're one. So if you don't teach that child language until they're one, you just kind of like, you want to teach them English, you want to teach them spoken language, you're going to miss a huge gap of their life, a very important gap of their life for what we call language acquisition, which is when you pick up and learn language. So being able to sign to your child and say, I love you, I want more, give them a hug and signing with your partner, that child is going to visually pick up those cues and they're going to learn the language in much the same way they would if it was auditory. The problem is, is that people don't see sign language as a viable language. And especially because I think it's like 90% and this is a true statistic, it's, it's high, but it's a 90% of all deaf individuals are born to hearing parents. A lot of those parents who have no understanding or explanation or like guidance on how to raise a deaf child. Deaf parents, on the other hand, have no problem. You know, I think deaf parents would probably celebrate if they found out their child was deaf. And that's like an ongoing oh, yeah. in the community is like, we want deaf babies. Like we want them like, you know, oh, my child's hearing, darn. Like <laughs> that's a thing. But yeah. it's, again, it's that same kind of constant exposure to signing and seeing and um, being able to engage your child that way you will teach them language just as successfully as they would with English. And now they've got two. My, just to add on at the end, um, my little brother Enrico, who's deaf, uh, my biological father and my stepmom, um, when he was growing, he, he, uh, Enrico's completely deaf. And uh, I remember them having labels on everything. So at the same time they were teaching him English, they were also giving him the signs as well. I mean, at such a young age. And so, um, I mean, he was signing you know, before he was one, obviously. And like, just it's, it's, it's so much easier to communicate that I'm thirsty. I want milk and from saying it to just signing it. And that, that honestly, that, that translates to uh, speech therapy for people who try to force uh, deaf people to do uh, uh, all oral uh, 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 communication. And my, my dad told me a story about uh, when he was younger, they I mean, they, they spent so much time, so much time trying to get him to say like Apple. I mean, for who knows how long. And then he went, oh, like for two weeks, it was trying to learn how to say Apple. And then within five seconds, it was this, this is an Apple. And I'm doing the sign for Apple for people who are listening. Um, and boom, you got it right there. Like it's so simple comparatively in, in terms of, 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 of learning it and, not needing to deal with all the, the morphemes and, and, and all that stuff. It's just, it's just so much more proficient and effective um, that it, 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 it takes like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, it takes like half the, the battle out. If that makes sense. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I also want to add really quick um because we are codas obviously our parents are deaf they're going to use subtitles we also learned how to read super early so i remember being able to read at like three four i was reading probably like third fourth grade books in first grade because i was exposed to not only a visual oral but i was also exposed to the written language and i was constantly seeing that on the tv so when we would have the volume on, because my dad really enjoys watching TV with the volume all the way down, being deaf, makes sense. 
when we would have the volume on, I was able to not only hear the words, but I could see the words. So it was a lot easier for me to pick up on reading. And um, that is something that I have noticed that CODAs just have an easier time with because they were exposed to subtitles at such an early age. See. I'm going to add just to wrap things up a little bit. Um, I think that what happens is that hearing people are scared, you know, like this is unfamiliar. We don't know what to do. Like, we have to learn a whole new language for our kid. But at the end of the day, like that language is inherent to them. Like any deaf individual will tell you that when they learned American sign language or when they learned to sign that it opened up their world of possibilities because they could finally express themselves. I said in the last podcast that language is equivalent to humanity. It's just that important. You can't express your humanity without your language. And parents who are hearing who so desperately want their kids to be able to talk and hear are just sorely uneducated on the fact that their child can be just as prosperous and just as successful if they're given access to language to any language. English is not the predominant language. It is not necessarily the one that has to be taught, but because we've been taught in the hearing world that there's a lot of value put into being able to hear and talk. Um, there's value being put into that for deaf individuals as well. And you still have um, the pathological perspective, the medical perspective that deafness is something to fix. Um, you know, being deaf is not something, especially if you're big D deaf, like we talked about in the last couple podcasts, if you're big D deaf, being deaf isn't a disability. It's a part of who you are. Um, it's simply an adaptation to the way that hearing people live their lives. So I think what I would want people to get out of this podcast is to just remember like deaf people have their native language and they have their native tongue and being able to give that to a deaf individual is the greatest gift that you can give them because you're giving them the gift of humanity. Having to force them to do something that is not native to them, something that is not inherent to them, like speak um, or even the cochlear implant, which can be another huge topic. It's kind of a controversial topic in the deaf community you know, the cochlears aren't always effective and they hurt, they're painful. I know people who bleed from their ears and who hear things, they have extreme headaches. You know, a cochlear is a fit for a very specific person. If that fit isn't good, you know, hearing aids, all of those things are only detrimental for somebody if you're only teaching them how to speak. If you give them a language, you give them sign language and you give them something that, like I said, is native to them, you're going to see the same amount of success. And I wish that more hearing people knew that. I wish more hearing people signed because I think that the world would be a much better place if we all could communicate with each other without, you know, language superiority playing its, its uh, tricks on us. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate everyone being willing to share your stories over the last two episodes. I know, Gloria and Isabel, that you have to get ready to, to head off and get the pup trained some more. But thank you, thank you everyone for being willing to give some of your time to share your story to um, and, and what I think was some really important lessons. Um, what I think the theme that I've gotten from a lot of these episodes so far is just ask and be willing to be wrong sometimes um, and acknowledge that, but also just that so much of how the outside world sees deaf people is just built in falsehoods and is honestly overcomplicated. You know, I hear everyone on this podcast today say, 
just write stuff, right? Like that's not too hard. I, I know how to write and if they know how to read and write, then it's great. Um, so I think this was really valuable for me and I hope our, our listeners found some value in this as well. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you for giving us the platform yes. to be able to speak on this. It really means a lot. It's really important. I really appreciate you being willing to share too. I really appreciate your willingness to, to yeah. be part of this. Hey, what, what good are stories if you can't share them, I guess? Thank you for listening to our two-part series on CODAs. Our next series relating to the deaf community will be on interpreters. But first, join us next week for our episode on Dayton's Black Pride.